Hey everyone, welcome back to the Atlanta Startup Podcast. My name is William Leonard, and you're in for a treat today as I sit down with the founder and CEO of Valor's newest portfolio company, Cintion. If you don't know, Cintion has built a SaaS solution that is providing proactive protection for their clients' network. Basically, they're enabling clients to audit endpoint behavior and identify system-level settings that can be implemented on machines in production to guard against the array of active threats that corporations are facing today. And with the current cybersecurity market estimated to be greater than $150 billion globally, we'll discuss why Henry believes the Cintion team is well-positioned to succeed in this growing market with their innovative platform. We'll also discuss the early impacts that supporters and investors like Purdue, Georgia Tech, and others have had on the business, as well as Henry's outlook on the state of cybersecurity in this wide-ranging and informative conversation. Let's jump right in. So, Henry, I'm excited for the conversation today, man. Yeah, I am too, William. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Awesome. Well, you know, you and I have gotten to know each other over the last few months um, on, a, on a very strong level, but we'd love for you to just give us um, an intro into, into who you are, your background, and what was your, your segue, your path into entrepreneurship? Yeah. Um, so I guess for me, it started uh, back when I was doing my undergrad at Purdue. Uh, so when I came into, my, uh, into the program, I was doing a major in cybersecurity and I kind of wanted to expand what I was learning. And so I, I picked up a second degree in management. And part of what that did for me was I learned about some of Purdue's um, sort of accelerator programs. They have a program called Firestarter. And I think that was one of the very first experiences I had with sort of what it might look like to run a startup, get an, uh, get an idea of what uh, what that required. And it was something that you know I actually really, really enjoyed. And so while I was at Purdue, I did a couple internships with Archer Daniels Midland, and then I did two with Cisco. Um, and those internships gave me a, a pretty interesting view, I think, on what I was learning in security, as well as some of the problems that maybe they don't really teach us in, in school. And so I think a combination of those two things sort of pushed me along that path where I was like, hey, I think I can make a difference in, in you know, what's being done right now in the industry and what I'm seeing in my internships and you know these these things I'm learning in management are, are a really great way to do so. I guess so when I asked my mom apparently she told me I've been talking about uh starting a company since I was in middle school. I don't remember that, but I guess uh I guess it's actually been going on since then. But for me, I definitely remember um those programs in Purdue were, were like the first thing that, that kind of drove me toward it. Awesome. I love that. And you know we'll dive into more of your background in a second, but you know give us the 90 second overview of Cintion and, and some of the solutions that you all are building to help protect your clients' valuable assets? Yeah. So for me, Cintion is a company that is looking to help solve some of the more fundamental issues that we found to exist in the cybersecurity field. Uh, and so what we're really looking to address is the system hardening part of cybersecurity. I think that's a it's a rather broad term and it encompasses a lot of different uh, elements, but specifically what we're looking at is operating system hardening and the, the process of creating a baseline. Um, you know, Traditionally, it's a process that takes a lot of time. It requires a lot of testing on the administrator side. It requires a lot of, a lot of uh, interfaces with the user. Uh, and that's a process that we're really looking to improve and sort of make uh, a little bit more automated and provide information to the administrator in such a way they can do it in, in a timely and reasonable fashion. Yeah. And, you know, for some of our listeners who may not be um, astute in the cybersecurity world, what is system hardening? And, and how do you kind of simplify that for our listeners a bit? 
Yeah, so I think system hardening, the best way to think about it is, um, you know, if you ever use a computer, I'm sure you, you've kind of run into the problem of having different settings on your computer, whether that's like, oh, my computer goes to sleep in, in five minutes. And that's really annoying because I'm, I'm trying to read something and it goes to sleep, right? For my login, right? Uh, this computer requires me to put in a password. That one lets me set up a pin. So those are all different settings that you can influence in the back end behind, uh, like with, with some of the panels that the computer offers you. And so as a security company or as security personnel, there are are certain settings that we look at because we recommend setting up certain settings to improve the security on your computer. The problem with that is that depending on how you might use your computer, some of those settings can be really annoying or just straight up disruptive to, to what you do on a day-to-day. And so it's about finding a balance between what we want those settings to be and what you as a user are okay with having them be set to. Got it. Got it. That makes sense. Help, yeah. 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 That definitely helps a bit. And, you know, as you think about, you know, Sentient's place in the innovation realm what are the what are the customers that you're targeting currently using today and and why do you see Sention uh better positioned to protect their their endpoints yeah so i think there's there's a couple uh answers to the question i think there are there are definitely solutions out there that help companies maintain baselines ensure that they're set up and that the settings are set the way they're supposed to be and there are also companies out there that help enforce baselines and do things along those lines right but we've never really seen a company that is actually helping these companies create baselines figure out what works for them and so as a result we find that a lot of the companies we've been talking to a lot of the organizations they're not really doing it or if they are, it's a really long manual process. Um, one of the people we've been talking to says, you know, he had a company that he worked for and they spent three years on it. And by the time he left three years later, they were still working on it, right? And they just, they've just been trying to go through that in, in sort of a manual process. Um, and so on that side of things, I think there really hasn't been anything that to sort of simplify this process. Um, the other half of it is I think with all these different solutions doing parts of what is required to maintain a baseline, we've had customers tell us they've never been able to really get a handle on the whole process because they don't have a place to go where they can manage this, right? It's oftentimes something that's sort of inserted as an afterthought and maybe an antivirus solution or some other kind of management solution. And so for us, we're taking that as an opportunity to bring a platform that does solve these problems for them, but also gives them a place to really understand and manage it from beginning to end. Yeah, I love that you all are building something end to end not just a, a, a small piece of the cybersecurity stack as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, kind of taking a step back here, you worked at Archer Daniels Midland as an intern um, in IT management team. Then you did two stints at Cisco, I believe. And so across those experiences and some other experience outside of that, you know, what was the aha moment for you to say, hey, there's an opportunity here for for Cintion or for me to, to build a company in Cintion that can solve these cybersecurity gaps that enterprises and, and clients are having today? Yeah. Um, I don't necessarily know if there was an aha moment. So I guess there's some of the some background on Sentia there, right? The solution we're working on is definitely not the first iteration of our company. I would mm-hmm. say technically, really, we failed twice. Uh, and that was when we first got out of college, we we're finding our feet. Uh, and back then, we were actually working on like a secure case management software for law firms. I forget, honestly, how we were guided in that direction, but that ended up being a bust pretty quickly. But, you know, it taught us a lot, a lot of different things. And so we took that and we moved on to the next iteration. And we kind of went through that process a couple of times before, uh, you know, I really sat down with Nicole and Cliff, who were the two co-founders at the time. And we talked about what we knew, what we understood and what we felt like were problems. And this kind of fit itself into what we understood 
right and what we understood as a problem really well but if i had to give it an aha moment it'd probably be when we brought on jordan and so for context there he's acting as our CISO. he was our first team hire we raised a family and friends around just to bring him on as soon as we could but he came with some industry experience from the consulting side of things and he was like i guess the first piece of internal validation where it's like you know i've been working in consulting for two years and consistently the problem i see is that these baselines are not set properly right and so i wouldn't say it was like an immediate aha but it was like a very gradual sort of flow where it made sense to me then it made sense to nicole then it made sense to cliff then jordan came on he was like yes absolutely this is this is something that experience and so it was a very graduated process in that in that sense right yeah it sounds like it and you mentioned several pivots before you know landing on this solution here mm-hmm. at what point when you were building the original iterations of Cintion, did you know to pivot? You know, because oftentimes we have a lot of listeners who are early stage founders building the first iteration of the product. But, you know, you you have to realize the inflection point of, hey, this product is going to work or I need to pivot to something different. Is it Was it the sense of customer voice? What was the moment for you all that kind of led you all to, to pivot from the first iterations? I think a lot of it came internally and some of it definitely is from a gut feeling. Uh, and that, that definitely is guided by what the customer is saying, right? So talking about that case management solution, we had one person tell us it was a good idea and she was one that was super interested in us making it. Every single other person we talked to, it was, it was a big bust, right? And so that obviously lends itself to being like, okay, this is not a good idea very quickly. Um, but on the other side of things, and when we were working in security solutions, that was more rare. We definitely had customers tell us, oh, I don't know if this is interesting to us, but more often than not, it was, it was the answer of like, oh, you know, I think this is something pretty interesting. And then that's all you really hear, right? And so it was difficult to know, well, we haven't really built anything out yet. So we can't say for sure if they would hate it or like it or anything like that. But at the same time, we've already sunk, you know, six, eight months of development to this. So we kind of want to see it through, but it's coming to a realization of like, at least for us personally, Personally, it was the understanding of is what we're building unique for the customer or is it unique for us because the process is different. And so what I mean by that is we ended up doing something that a lot of other companies already do. It was just interesting to us because we were doing it in a way that hadn't actually done it. But at the end of the day, you know, if you think about it from the end user perspective, does it really matter if it's doing it differently if the end result is the same? And so I think those are the kind of realizations that we had where uh, they gave us the the idea that we had to pivot, we had to change it up, even though we've been you know, developing for several months. Yeah, always listening to the customer voice is the most important thing to do at this stage of the business. And Absolutely. the fact that you had validation from one of maybe 10 potential customers is definitely uh, an indicator to, to maybe pivot a bit or, or rethink the strategy. So that one was bad, man. That was like one in like 50. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, everybody has to start somewhere and learn from something, right? So um, definitely appreciate that viewpoint. And, you know, previously while you were talking, you mentioned um, some names, Nicole, Cliff, you know, talk to us about your co-founders a bit. What was the story behind meeting them? And then as a, as a leader, how did you really go about assembling this team to, to ensure that you all were going to be well positioned to build Cintion? Yeah, man, I'm I'm super proud of my co-founders. They're such an interesting bunch. And I think the team, I put together the team, right? And so everybody, they didn't know each other prior to, to starting Sentium. But for me, they were kind of like a single person from, I would almost say every chapter of my life. So Cliff was somebody I grew up with. Um, I've known him since elementary school. We grew up together. We swam competitively together. Uh, we studied for the SATs together, if you want to go back to that. Um, and so that was like, a, I've known him for a long, long time. And so when I first introduced the idea, 
idea to him. He took a while to roll around and play with it and, and sort of uh, decided it was an idea that he wanted to take a risk on as well. Um, or at least, I guess, take a risk on me because that idea really didn't pan out. And then Nicole, I knew from high school. Um, she was... Um, she also attended my magnet high school. We did a, a program in computer science. Uh, and I got to say, she helped me out a lot with that. Computer science is not my gig. But again, same deal, right? You know, introduced the idea to her when I was going through college. Uh, I distinctly remember because she was my first uh, co-founder that, that I agreed to join with me. I sent her a message, like a text while I was on a plane. I was like, please come on. This is such a great idea. You have to come work with me on this. Uh, she shot me down like four times, but finally I bothered her enough that she's still here uh and then zach met him in college so he, he would be the last person that i, I sort of uh, brought on there Zach's an interesting one because i met him because he was doing a minor in it uh, and i helped him out his classes there um and then when i brought him my extra degree for management he's a couple years older than me and he was just finishing his management degree and i was hoping to get some help from him i don't remember getting any help i remember getting laughed at a lot but regardless <laughs> we uh we kept in touch after uh after he graduated and he had spent a couple years doing sales uh, in a lot of different companies and he had actually called me up originally because he was looking to get some help with uh, prepping for some interviews he was doing with some other uh, tech companies and, and security related companies. And so in that whole process of helping him out, I was like, you know, why don't you just come on and, and join us? And he was like, you know what? Sounds like a great idea. So uh, I sort of, I guess, brought them all in from, from different points where I had, I had known them. It sounds like you have a characteristic that a lot of great CEOs have, and that's the ability to sell and obviously you have to, to really sell the vision, especially at the, the, the idea stage of a startup to have such talented individuals surround you and, and really accompany you on this mission. Um, so, so kudos to building a strong team, man. And you, you mentioned the, the ties that everyone has to, to Purdue and you all went through an accelerator program with Purdue as well. And a fire starter. Yeah. 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 Talk to us about that. And you know, how, how has Purdue been pivotal to helping you and a team uh, really get Cintion off the ground? Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously they're an investor now, so that's, yeah. <laughs> that's a big part of it. But when we were first finding our feet, Firestarter was a really cool program because it, it almost acted like a class. Like I could just schedule it for a part of my week and I'd have a cohort that I go in and meet every week and we, we would just sort of learn these kind of things. Right. And, you know, we also did the accelerator with Georgia Tech a couple of years later, CreateX. And I thought it was really interesting graduating experience because for whatever reason, even though they're both, I guess, university uh, accelerated programs, Purdue was very focused on like very, very early stage, right? And so it was really about like, how do you find your feet? How do you find what you want to do? You know, like things like what a napkin drawing are and actually going out and talking to people, at least initially about your solution. And they would push us to be like, you know, I need you to go and talk to 30 people and what you think your target uh, customer base would be. And you actually ended up driving like an hour out to Indianapolis just to talk to a lawyer um, based on their, uh, their guidance. And so it was a really interesting sort of experience where it felt like a class at times, but at the same time, they definitely pushed us to really treat the company as something and treat the idea as something that was real and tangible and, and do things to act on it, right? And I think for a lot of people, that's sort of the catalyst that you need first is like, everybody has a great idea, mm -hmm. but going on and acting on it, sometimes you need to push to do that. And I think Purdue was fantastic for that. And since then, you know, they've been a great network for us. I love catching with Bill over at Firestarter and letting him know what we've been up to. I think the community, the network out there are great and they're really trying to serve sort of uh, push a more entrepreneurship uh, type mindset at Purdue. And I'm, I'm, I'm loving that as well. But um, yeah, I think it was just given that first push that was, that was really, really big. Yeah. And Cintian um, has really been supported incredibly well by the, the cyber network that Purdue has. Um, and, you know, you all were in the Midwest, Indiana, and, you know, you went through CreateX. So how did you get connected with the team down here? In Atlanta at CreateX. So CreateX, um, 
that started out, Zach knew a company that was going through the program, I believe. Um, and so they recommended it to us. And it just so happens. So Nicole is a graduate from, from Georgia Tech. And so we kind of used her as our, our base to apply. Uh, although technically, I think they had us all apply as students. So 10 grade X, but um, either way, that, that was sort of like how we got introduced to it. And we, you know, we didn't really know what we, what to expect going into it, but yeah, it was, it was a great program as well. Uh, that one took place over the summer, right? And so it was, was it 12 weeks or 10 weeks. It was, it was a couple of week course. Uh, we would meet once a week, get assignments and, uh, kind of take it back and, and grow from there. Yeah. Yeah. Creatix is one of the, one of the top programs here and not only in the region, but also in the country for producing startups and, you know, we're extremely proud to be affiliated with Georgia Tech. Robin is Georgia yeah. Tech alum, and we have strong ties with CreateX. I actually sat down with the director on the podcast, Rahul, a few weeks ago. Um, so re- really excited about the work that they're doing here in Atlanta to, to drive innovation. And, yeah. you know, as we kind of round out the conversation here and taking it back a step, you know, what what are your thoughts right now about the, the cybersecurity industry as a whole? Are there any trends that you're seeing or anyone on your team is seeing that are, that you believe will really shape the industry um, over the next few years or even the next decade or so? Yeah, I mean, that's a fun question. I think there's there's a lot of different ways to answer that. And, you know, we could talk about how COVID-19 affected it. We could talk about how things that have been going on around the world, whether it's Ukraine or otherwise have been affecting it. But for me, I think, I guess the the more funny thing to to think about, and I guess a little more lighthearted, right, is like we've been watching a lot of companies sort of move toward cloud native solutions, uh, infrastructure as a service. You got Azure, you got Okta, you've got uh, overlay mesh networks now, like Tailscale, and so these things have become really popular, and the people that are developing them are putting a lot of money, and they're putting a lot of effort toward improving these systems. And it's great, but it leaves a lot of older organizations that are on self-hosted infrastructure, like uh, Active Directory or companies that actually have to be on host infrastructure for compliance purposes or regulatory purposes, it puts them in a really funny place because their solutions are getting less development because these companies are more interested in the cloud solutions. But it's either too expensive or unfeasible for them to move to the cloud solutions. So they're kind of sitting there with these solutions that have like really long-standing issues that just have never been addressed. And they've just been trying to work around like, how how do we get this process to work for us? In particular, I'm looking at Active Directory because that thing has been, (laughs) that thing's got a lot of problems. But I I don't know, I guess it's a really funny sort of trend that I'm seeing. And I don't know how that's going to resolve itself over the next decade, but I think it'll definitely shape sort of the decisions that come are going to make about the security over the next couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, the, the shift to the cloud is going to create a, a tremendous need for more proactive, more touchless solutions um, in the cybersecurity stack. And, you know, as you think about Sention here, you know, you all are going to fit within that, that vision for the industry here. As you are thinking about your customers, I'd say, um, and having these intro conversations with them, like what is the first, what is the pitch to the customers that is going to get them excited about Sention and solutions that you all are bringing to protect their business, basically? Yeah, well, that's a great question. Um, and I think the first, the first part of that for us is understanding what what ticks them, what makes them tick, right? It's like, uh, you know, are they very compliance focused? Are they very regulation focused? Or are they more security focused? Are they more focused on the actual physical security itself? Uh, and so people for people that are very compliance and regulation focused, this is something where based on hardening and operating system hardening have become a topic that is discussed more and more in these regulations. Um, the CMMC guideline for government contractors is a recent one, even like NIST, CIS, all those sort of uh, regulatory bodies, they're, they're putting requirements forward for 
having proper uh, baselines, uh, maintaining them and, uh, and, and monitoring them. And so that's something where on the compliance and regulatory side of things, it's, it's really easy to talk about, right? Because it's, it's a popular topic right now. It's something that's being added in. That one, I think it's really easy, right? On the security side of things, it, it depends on what their knowledge base is. Um, there's a, I guess, a, a sort of feeling in security where, because a lot of people came into doing security from other, other disciplines, uh, typically their view on what they need to do for security is limited to what they really, really are familiar with or what they know or the background they come from. And so I think it's a learning process to sort of teach them uh, some of the things that we think about, which is like security is is a process, right? And it's it's more than just one solution. It's more than just uh, one answer, one size fits all. It's it's looking at all the different parts of uh, of your solution or of your system and deciding what is the most important thing to solve at the time. I guess the saying is it's kind of like an onion, right? You peel back layers and there's more yeah. and more layers. And it's sort of educating them on that and then showing them where we fit into into that onion, right? And why it's important to have these extra layers, why it's doubly important to have these depending on, you know, how you have your infrastructure set up. And so that I think is the first part about getting our customers excited is to help build that understanding. Yeah. Yeah. You have to know the the customer very intimately, even before you go into that first conversation, show that you did your homework. And, you know, I, I love that you you all take that approach and you know, thinking about 2022, Q2 just started, you know, what, what is ahead for Cention this year? What are some of the things that you're most excited about um, yeah, as we I mean, all continue to build? We're super excited to you know finish building out the product and get that full product launch going. Um, we've had a lot of people that are really excited for the solution, giving us a lot of feedback. And I'm excited to be able to take all the things that we've learned from everybody, from all these people that have given us their time to give feedback on what they want to see. And, you know, put that into the solution and and show them that we've been able to put up what they've been asking for. Uh, and so I think that's the thing I've been most excited about is really watching it go to market and, and seeing what, what kind of a difference we can make. How do, how do you think about go to market in a, in, a, in a cyber world like today where you can sell through various channels? You can sell through MSP channels. You can go direct to your client. You know, how do you how do you think about go to market strategies today? And is there a, a one size fits all approach or is it more so tailored to, to the end user, to the customer? Um, I think there is definitely a sort of uh, space where you can get one size to almost fit all, right? Mm-hmm. Like where the core development, the core features, what you're trying to do is going to be agnostic, right? It doesn't yeah. matter if you're a 10 person firm, 100 person, 1000 person, um, the need is still there. I think it's about execution and, and what they're looking for and how they're looking to perform it, right? Because a thousand person firm might have, you know, 10 people in security have a lot more capacity for actually performing these kind of things. And so for them, they're looking for really good optics in the solution, right? They're looking to get a lot of contextualized information, whereas a 10-person firm or the 100-person firm, they might be looking more just like, hey, can you get it to just do this thing for us? We don't really care uh, what the information is. We just need to get it done, right? And so I think it's about finding a balance. When you find a balance for that in the solution, right, where you can give them both, um, that's when you can sort of reach industry agnosticity. Is that a word? Um, but uh, <laughs> It's a word now. <laughs> it's a word now. Um but I think it, it is definitely about being careful before you hit that point, right? Because that's that takes a lot of development time. It takes a lot of thought. And it takes a lot of process. And so go to market at first, I think it's still about targeting a specific industry where you find a lot of interest, uh, building out that base and seeing uh, seeing what you can bring after that. Um, and so that definitely requires a lot of work. And I don't envy Zach and all the networking he has to do uh, yeah. in, in every industry that we want to target. But I think it is sort of like a graduated process there as well. Yeah. Yeah. I love it, man. I love it. I'm excited. We're 
you know, Valor is excited that you chose to partner with us and that you're building an industry that we know well and that we're excited to help you scale into and also excited for the journey ahead, Henry. So thanks for joining me today. excited to have Valor on board as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. It was a it was a journey to get the deal done, but here we are. Um, now you're back to building and excited to see what 2022 will yield for you and the team. So let's uh let's keep the momentum going, man. Absolutely. Cheers. Take care. Yeah, thanks, William. We're thrilled to have you as an Atlanta startup podcast listener to help you get the most out of the experience. Let me invite you to three insider opportunities from our host, Valor Ventures. First, want to be a guest on this amazing show? Reach out to our booking team at atlantastartuppodcast.com. Click on Booking. It's a no-brainer from there. Are you raising a seed round? Valor definitely wants to hear from you. Share your startup story at valor.vc forward slash pitch. Are you a woman or minority-led startup? Valor's sister program, the Startup Runway Foundation, gives away grants to promising startups led by underrepresented founders. The mission of the Startup Runway Foundation is connecting underrepresented founders to their first investors. Startup Runway finalists have raised over $40 million. See if you qualify for one of these amazing grants at startuprunway.org. You can also sign up for our next showcase for free there. Let me let you go today with a shout out to Startup Runway presenting sponsor, Cox Enterprises, and to our founding partners, American Family Institute, Truist, Georgia Power, Avanta Ventures, and Innovators Legal. These great organizations make Startup Runway possible. Thanks for listening today, and see you back next week.